Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Portions of the Orders Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. 105 in Edmonton. Brendan Ulrich with you on Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer at the NHL Combine in Buffalo. We'll hear a conversation that Bob Stoffer had with Keith Gretzky at 1.35. Oilers Now, as always, brought to you by Digitex. Digitex has our office printer and supply supply needs covered. They do it all and could be doing it for you right now. Hugh Porter over there at Digitex. Has bet me on the Stanley Cup final, the series. He's going with Vegas. I'm going with Washington as well. I'm sure he's uh, sweating over there today after the news that uh, Kuznetsov may play in Game 3. We'll have to wait and see. We'll ask Al about that in a second. But we have bet a night out on the town. So hopefully Washington prevails. Some guests on Oilers now receive gift certificates from Japanese Village. Three locations, downtown, south side, and on the north side. All right, we head out to Washington right now, and we bring aboard Al May from NBC Sports Washington. Al, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on uh, throughout the Capitals' uh, playoff run here, and we hope uh, it eventually leads to a Stanley Cup. And uh, they're back in Washington now for the Stanley Cup Game 3 tomorrow night. What's the scene? What's the mood like after the Capitals uh, were able to pull off uh, the win in Game 2? Well, it was, it's a lot more confident than it was before. You know, you, you go down 0-2 and another team is born this late in the season. You know, it's just you're going to be a lot more apprehensive of how you play the game. And I think right now, pulling off that win the other night, and the way they did it, they played that game with a lot of confidence. They stuck to their game plan. And they were able to get the win. So it's exactly where they wanted to be. They wanted to go there and get a split. So that's one game apiece. And uh, that's how they wanted to start this thing and come back home. Well, the Holtby save was uh, the highlight of the game. But I think the Capitals were the better team in that game and deserved to win, Al. Uh, what have they been able to do to limit uh, Vegas's speed at times? Because it seems like Vegas starts the game really fast. But the Capitals, for the most part, have been able to uh, limit that speed as the game goes along. Well, you know what, when you're starting to break down all the video of different teams, and I think there's been an illusion of how fast Vegas really is. I think they're a quick team. They're quick in tight spaces. The way they do their forecheck, it's a combination forecheck and a backcheck. And the Caps figured out that they have to move the puck quicker. The defenseman had to get the puck on the ice. If they're going to rim it in their own zone, they had to help it. You know, hope he threw it around the boards to winger. Then the winger, rather than stop it, was just to get it out of the zone. So they did that. I think they tired out Vegas because late in the game, in my opinion, from sitting at the end zone of the arena, Vegas didn't look like they had the legs. And the Caps uh, just decided, you know, we're going to make them skate. We're going to be better with the 50-50 pucks. The Capitals it appeared to me to, to win a great of the puck battles. 
And that was a big change from the game before. They wanted to make sure there was more compete in that area. So the, the big thing is everything that pertains to defensive hockey, the Capitals were better at. And once again, the Capitals continue to make their, you know, to, to create their success in these playoffs by being a great defensive team rather than that all out offensive team that we've seen for so many teams, so, so many years. Yeah, great points. And uh, we'll see how Vegas handles maybe a little bit of adversity here now, Al, as uh, you know, they're tied, but the series shifts to Washington for games three and four, and uh, Vegas hasn't really faced any adversity so far in the playoffs other than losing game one to Winnipeg. So we'll see how they respond. Well, yeah, you know that they're going to try to do certain things different. One of the things that the Capitals have figured out, and it's not to waste shots on uh, Mark Andre Fleury, and he came into this series into the finals with gaudy save percentage, a really good uh, uh, goals against average, and the Caps have found, uh, you know, you know, dents in his armor, and they're not wasting shots. They're not giving him those perimeter confidence shots. They're making sure that they're getting players to the front, that the defensemen are shooting manageable pucks for deflections and high tips with another player standing down in front of Flurry. Flurry's one of the fastest, most reflect, reflexive goalies in the league, and the Caps have use that against them. They're also, when they, they're selling shot, they're looking cross-crease for a one-timer like the Lars Eller goal the other night. So, you know, that that's an area that Vegas is going to want to probably batten the hatches or try to batten down the hatches around where you take away that cross-crease pass, that cross-ice pass that makes them go post-to-post. And on the other side of it, make sure they're taking the sticks of the caps, looking for those high deflections from that hash mark area. So there'd be a lot of tweaks on both of these teams. And and as we've seen throughout these playoffs, you know, the co- coaching really does matter. And this is where they really make their money is, that, you know, as you get to the finals, it, it's all about coaching and goaltending. Well, props to uh, Lars Eller for stepping up last game. You just hit on a bit there on the goal that he uh, scored. But uh, what's your sense on Kuznetsov here? Uh, Barry Trotz saying day to day, and uh, he still has yet to be medically cleared. What is your sense? Does he get medically cleared in time for tomorrow? Well, you know what? When a player doesn't come back in a game, and especially in a playoff game, and then you know they have a day off, he comes out and skates. And I, I've been injured in a game, and you know, thought I broke my ankle. Two days later, I was playing. Uh, but I, I look at Kuznetsov. Obviously, it was an upper body injury. Uh, he went out and skated this morning. I was at practice, and he was flying around. He was, he was skating full speed. He was shooting full speed. Uh, but at the same time, I would still say because there's no medical clearance yet. I would say he's still iffy to go, and I would not be surprised to not see him skate out of the tunnel to start Game 3 of the series, just to make sure that they got him for 4 and 5 especially, because you know it's going to be a lot tougher when they go back to Vegas the next time. You know They're going to have more anxiety, and the fans are going to be even more ramped up, and their team will be back in their familiar surroundings. So the Caps still have the best centerman in the series, and that's Nicholas Baxter. He's the number one center. He always has been. The Caps have had that luxury of having Kuznetsov play the role of Gretzky and, and, and Baxter play the role of Mark Messi in this. And with the way you look at it, uh, you know, all-out offensive skill, Evgeny Kuznetsov, and then all-round abilities. And, you know, not as phil- uh, physical as the Moose. I'm just making a comparison era to era. But, uh, you know, Backstrom is a number one center, just as Mark Messi always was, even though he had Wayne Gretzky on his team. So if uh, Kuznetsov can't go, do they just uh, roll with the same lines uh, with uh, Verona, or not Verona, with uh, Eller going up to uh, the second line and Backstrom playing with Ovi? Yeah, Eller has actually had a lot of success playing with uh, uh, T.J. Oshie, and he loves playing. T.J. Oshie actually loves playing with Lars Eller because Lars Eller loves to hang on to the puck and draw players to him, and it leaves T.J. wide open for a lot of great high-danger shots. So 
uh, Chandler Stevenson rather than Jay Beagle would take the third pivot where Eller normally plays because of his speed. And they don't want Jay Beagle playing out of character. They want him to continue to be a fourth-line guy, the big face-off man, uh, the penalty killer. And, and so you just do that. And then it, it, I guess the question would be whether uh, Chason comes in or you put Nathan Walker in, who played very, very good in his first game against Pittsburgh, which was that game six win to close that series out. So I, I would probably bet if they add that player to add to the lineup would probably be Nathan Walker at this time. Just that his skating ability, uh, his structure, the way he can play on the fourth line, I think that would be the safe choice. Former Oiler Nathan Walker, who was here earlier in the season. Uh, yeah, and he scored a big goal for the Capitals already in the playoffs. Um, what is your take, I guess, Al, on the hit there on Brady McNabb on Kuznetsov? Uh, I know Bob Stoffer felt that McNabb targets skilled players and maybe he had a, an agenda when he went after Kuznetsov there in the neutral zone. Uh, what do you think of the hit? Well, I, you know, whether he targeted him or not, uh, I, I don't know, and I haven't seen enough of uh, McNabb to know that he, if, in fact, he does do that. But what I would say, from what we've seen uh, throughout the season and, and when you target a player's head, when that's the first point of contact, they tried to say that with Tom Wilson. They gave him three games. You take the Capitals' best offensive player right now. Uh, they're all, all around, you know, incredible offensive skill. And Kuznetsov, he goes high. He takes an elbow to the face the way he did. There was a follow-through on it. He gets injured. Maybe he doesn't get suspended. Maybe he doesn't because uh, Kuznetsov was grabbing his hand. Now, was he grabbing his hand because he hurt his shoulder? Uh, was he grabbing his hand just to show that he didn't, that he wasn't concussed? Uh, but I look at that and there's just so much hypocrisy in how they're calling suspensions and, you know, twos and fives. Uh, it's just impossible to know now what, what's crossing the line and what's not crossing, uh, the line. So it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's been a factor in these playoffs and there was a lot more incidents the other night in that game than just a high hit on Kuznetsov. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know if you want to, you know, talk about the officiating per se, but it seems like they're calling all these cross checks. Um, you know, the uh, James Neal play there with Orpic, that was clearly embellishment. So I don't know what you want to say about the officiating, but it, what do you think of what they are calling, I guess, at least in game two? Well, I, I didn't like it at all. I, I thought it was another bad job. The first game, it was horrendous. I didn't like it the last game. I, I, thought, I thought it was there was a couple penalties that were absolutely phantom types. Uh, to me, the worst part of the playoffs, and I'm watching every game, not just the Capitals games, uh, especially on our off nights. I was getting the double headers that were going on, and, and the worst part of the playoffs has been the officiating. Officiating, and they're not held to the same standard as players, and it, it baffles me that they do that. And, and you look at, you know, what you saw, Mark Jonette, who has been a thorn in the cap side forever. He watched in Game One, Ryan Reeves cross check John Carlson. Uh, right on the name, take him out, and then score a goal right after that. Meanwhile, the guy's standing right there, but we're used to that in Washington watching this uh, with that referee. So every time I see his name, it looks like, oh, no, here we go. We're going to have some phantom penalties, and we're also going to have some egregious non-calls, just like we had in that game. And I look at the last game, uh, Ryan Reeves cross-checking Tom Wilson in the face, and nothing said, nothing's done about it, and... You just look at how, how all this is shaking out, the the, the, the phantom penalty to Brooks Orpik, the phantom penalty to T.J. Oshie. Uh, the standards are, are definitely not high for what the uh, the officials are held. Certainly, certainly, in my opinion, and I think most people that are watching the games, regardless of who they cheer for, who they don't cheer for, I, I would definitely say people have every right to gripe. 
Boy, I don't know how they call the Wilson cross-check in game two, and then they don't call the Reeves one in game one when it led to a goal. Like, the Wilson cross-check was just at the blue line. So, yeah, a little bizarre there, but uh, we'll see uh, if they correct it in game three. Um, talk to me about Andre Burakovsky here, Al, because uh, he struggled uh, this season, no doubt about it, but uh, he's had some injury issues as well. In the playoffs, he's had some injury issues. But you go back to last year's playoffs, he was really good. And uh, these last few games since Game 7 against Tampa Bay, he looks great out there. He's flying all over the ice, and he's getting rewarded. So what is it with him right now? Is it the fact that maybe he's healthy, or he just has his confidence back? No, you know what I think happened to him? He was struggling with confidence, and they didn't like the last game that he had played before they yanked him out of the lineup in the Tampa series. And they told him, it's not just about scoring goals for you, getting shots on net that determines how well you play. It's about puck management, protecting the puck, taking a hit to make the play. Uh, taking a puck on the half wall and throwing it down below the goal line rather than, you know, giving the puck away in the middle of the ice. And we've seen that out of him over the years. A lot of soft play into the middle of the ice and to, to the other team, to the opposition. And that just can't happen, especially in a playoff game. Turnovers kill you. And they've had to make sure that, you know, he, he came back. So the next game after his healthy scratch, he started to manage the puck properly, doing everything the right way. And that had to be done. And so once he sat out for that, I think he really, it took it to heart. I've got to be so much better with the puck and where I place it. It's not just about shooting and scoring. It's about everything. And that was a, an aha moment for him to get back in the, in the playoffs and be a factor. And I think what we saw to him the last two games, he's playing the game confident and knowing that he can contribute and help his team out uh, in other ways, not just scoring goals, but being involved all over the ice, doing the right thing, back-checking, poke-checks, you know, you name it. Uh, he's, he's coming around to being uh, more of a, a two-way hockey player, and that's what a lot of these young guys on this roster have figured out as these players have gone on and on. Yeah, still a believer in Burakovsky long-term long here, so hopefully this uh, leads to uh, him taking a bigger step next season with uh, the gain confidence here at the end of the playoffs. Uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, just Vegas as a whole, watching them through two games. Um it's a great story, first of all. Uh, I'd probably be cheering for them if they weren't playing the Capitals. I can tell you if they were playing Pittsburgh, I'd be cheering for Vegas to win the Stanley Cup. But I am cheering for Washington in this series. But just watching uh, Vegas through the first two games, Al, is there a player that has surprised you just uh, you know, how well they have played in this expanded role? Maybe it's even Nate Schmidt, who was, of course, on the Capitals last year. Well, I'm not surprised with Nate Schmidt at all. I'm, I'm used to him playing the way he is, and it's great to see him getting an opportunity but the player that that impresses me the most, and I and I've had strong feelings for this player last year in Anaheim. I could not believe that they exposed Shea Theodore in the expansion draft and basically forced him upon the Golden Knights. I would have taken him uh, seven days a week over Josh Manson, who I like as a player. But in my opinion, I could see that Shea Theodore was the best player in Anaheim, and you can't tell me that they wouldn't have wanted to have a player with those wheels, that puck moving ability, the skating ability to to transition from defense to offense, offense to defense. Uh, he, he's just absolutely amazing. And I, what he's been able to do out on the ice, uh, he's got breakaway speed. He can close the gap. Uh, he's, he's phenomenal. And to me, he's the best player on the ice for them every time that he's on there. And uh, it, it'd be so nice for every team in the league who looks at him now and probably say, man, why did we go after him last summer when he was available? because he was there for the taking, and I look at some of the players that were protected on some of the teams. I'd take Shea Theodore on pretty much every defensive squad in the National Hockey League. Yeah, that's bang on. He was really good against the Oilers uh, in the playoffs last year, so I was shocked to see that uh, they uh, you know, they didn't try to keep him 
uh, on their roster. So it worked out for Vegas, and uh, he is going to be a staple there uh, moving forward. Uh, Al, you were in Vegas for uh, you know all the theatrics and all the uh, show boating and stuff before the games. Uh, what does uh, Washington, I guess, have in store for uh, their pregame ceremony uh, tomorrow night? We're hearing some stuff uh, with Shaggy and uh, Sting performing, and uh, are they bringing in the guy from the Wheel of Fortune as well? Well, Pat Sajak is a season holder here, and okay. he actually hangs out with our broadcast crew quite a bit. So we're, we're used to him around here. He actually does our uh, alumni bowl and cigar event that we do in June, and he emcees that. He, he's uh, so he'll be here regardless. And we're gonna have, you're going to see a lot of big name political people that haven't been around uh, the team when they weren't in the finals, and all of a sudden, I think all the the national news correspondents, the A-listers, will be in the arena. Uh, but big deal on them. I, I think the big thing is that having Sting is going to be across from the arena tomorrow night on the steps uh, of one of our museums, and it's a place that our fans love to, to go out and take the steps over and, and chant. Now, Pittsburgh Penguins fans used to take it over for years, but now we're going to have uh, Sting, which is uh, incredible to hear. I know Shaggy is what the younger people think, but a guy my age, anyone that can remember the police or just Sting by himself, that's going to be uh, major to have a guy like that uh, one of the greatest musicians ever. So, you know, just yeah, everything that goes along with this. Uh, the laser light shows, the fans coming in the building. Our, our building was almost to capacity the last two nights. It's tough to get to downtown D.C. And to see the fans having these viewing parties here at Capital One Arena has been phenomenal. And they've been taking over the streets. They've been closing the streets down here. And one thing I can say, and I hope it continues throughout the rest here, is that the fans in Washington do not terrorize their city. They don't break things. They don't burn them. Uh, they, they're not knocking down light posts and flipping over police cars. Uh, they've been very respectful, and uh, they've been having uh, the time of their life supporting this team. Well, it should be a lot of fun tomorrow night, Al. I appreciate your time here. Enjoy the game, and go Caps, go. Yep, thank you, Brent. Take care, buddy. All right, that's Al May, friend of the show and uh, of NBC Sports Washington. He's been joining us weekly for updates on the Capitals uh, throughout this playoff run. So he knows the game very well. I love listening to Al break things down, talking about how he expects, uh, you know, Vegas want to change things up and how the Capitals were able to change things up in uh, Game 2 and maybe uh, force uh, Vegas out of their comfort zone a little bit and slow them down a bit because he said at the end of Game 2 they didn't have a whole lot going on. So maybe Vegas is uh, a little bit tired here as uh, they face some adversity for really the first time in the playoffs. I mean, they have rolled through L.A., they rolled through uh, San Jose, and after losing game one, they won four straight against Winnipeg. So, bit of adversity now for Vegas and into uh, Washington for game three. One twenty-three in Edmonton, we have another update coming up uh, from Reed Reed Wilkins. (laughs) who is uh, updating us on the Grey Cup ticket sales, which go on sale today at 2. So you'll hear from Reed next. When we come back, we'll get to uh, some of your text messages here on Oilers Now. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports Certificate of Authenticity and Hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, Pro-Am Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca. This is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. 
126 in Edmonton, back here on Oilers Now. You can text us 630-630, brought to you by Westlock Ford. If you're looking for a new vehicle, go see Paul Olson at Westlock Ford or check out their great selection today at westlockford.com. Worth the drive to get your new ride. This text come in comes in saying, Vegas being tired is ridiculous. They've played the least games among winning teams. They might be rusty, not tired. Well, maybe I shouldn't have said they're tired. I know Al said they look sort of tired at the end of game two. And I think you need to just give some credit to what Washington did in that game. And it sort of a slowed Vegas down the way Washington just sort of moved the puck the way they did. I mean, it was impressive. So I don't know if they're tired. They shouldn't be tired. But I think they were out of their comfort zone a little bit in game two. And the Capitals had them trying to play a different way. So maybe it made them not look as fast and explosive as they have looked in uh, in previous games. So, yeah, I don't think they're tired. I, I agree with you on that. Um, I mean, Washington has had more of a grueling uh, schedule than Vegas, and, of course, Vegas had all this time off in between uh, series. So maybe they are just rusty, but they are facing some adversity here, and I think the Capitals are now the favorite to win the series, whereas Vegas was the favorite at the start of the playoffs. You have games three and four in Washington. The Caps can win both of those. Look out. Caps year. As it trends on Twitter, or it has been, thanks to the guys at Barstool uh, Sports with uh, that hashtag. So we'll see what happens. It's 128 in Edmonton. We need to take a time out for the 130 news. You can uh, text us 630-630. We're going to talk a little football at 145 with Dave Campbell. What do you think about Johnny Menzel in the CFL? Will he succeed? as he makes his preseason debut tonight with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. We'll hit on that. We'll also hear from Keith Gretzky in conversation with Bob Stoffer at the Combine in Buffalo. That's ahead after the 130 News with Eileen Bell.